0: Thank you. Morning everybody and happy new year. My mother used to tell me that they go faster as you get older. She was right. Can I believe it's here again? Has anybody made any new year resolutions? No? No? Good. I'm so glad. I think I used to yeah, many years ago but I don't I, I think now why do people do that? I think it's generally because we're not happy the way we left the old year. We want to see some change in our lives, you know. I'm getting too fat, I'm going on a diet, oh, I'm really unfit, I'm going to join a gym, or I need to control my spending, so I'm going to devise a budget. And I think we can do the same in our walk with God as well. It's easy for us to focus on doing instead of being. I think we often, I don't know about you, but I sometimes think of God's will as some sort of program. What should I do now, Lord? Should I go for that job? Should I have a relationship with that person? But last week I read this verse in Thessalonians. It said, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Sanctified, made holy, belonging to God, set apart for God. You see, I don't think that God's will and our walk with God is all about doing. It's more about, first and foremost, relationship. Relationship with a person any good relationship needs sound communication and that's what i've been asked to talk about this morning so this new series is about building blocks for life and the first this first message is called let's talk let's talk what about and who to well I took, a, I took a word from what Jesus said about the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God, and the second, which is similar, to love your neighbor. So this morning I want to talk about two things mainly. The first is our relationship with God. How do we talk with God and how do we listen to God? And then I want to talk about our relationship with our neighbors, our non-Christian neighbors, but I guess mainly about our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And in particular, how much of my life and my concerns, my worries, my dreams, how much should I be sharing with my brothers and sisters? So that's the main thrust of what I want to talk about this morning and I want to start where I always like to start, that's with God. Now I don't know about you, I've been a Christian for quite a long time now, but I still don't find prayer easy. I don't stand here as a great example of a prayer warrior, but I do know that it's important. I think The disciples of Jesus felt the same way that I do this morning. Do you know they saw Jesus, how prayer filled his life. He prayed with them, he prayed alone, he prayed while he walked, but he also set specific times aside for prayer. He prayed when things were good, when things were bad, prayer surrounded every part of his life. And I think the disciples were obviously impressed because we read in Luke 11 that they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. That's when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. It's a model. It's not meant to be a rigid ritual, but it's a model, a guide, an outline for our personal worship, praise, intercession, petition, and warfare. Now, we don't have time to look at the whole prayer this morning, but I just wanted to concentrate on the first line because it's about how we talk to God about our relationship with him. Prayer was the most intimate part of Jesus' life, and I believe God wants that to be our... uh, wants each of us to have that intimacy with him. So Jesus introduced this... I think probably quite startling level of intimacy when he started to teach them to pray. He said, "Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name." Jesus speaks of our heavenly Father as Abba, the toddler's word for daddy. Do you think of God like that? In Romans 8:16 we read the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We know the theology, but have we grasped fully how much God loves us individually, personally, passionately? We don't deserve his love, but he just pours it out onto us. We can't earn it. We don't have to qualify for it. But alongside that intimacy, this great respect. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means greatly revered, honored, highly respected, and worshiped. See, Father God's not like any human father. There's a mystery in God that no man can plumb we may have understood something of his majesty and his wisdom. As part of our theology, we know that he's all-present, all-knowing, all-powerful, but that doesn't explain all of his ways. He's way too big to fit into any box of man's making. And the reason I'm saying this is because I think it's so important that we understand who God is but also who we are in Christ, because it gives us confidence as we seek to lay our prayer petitions before God. Do you believe that God releases power when his kids pray to him? The brother of Jesus, James, said, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In the Spirit, heaven and earth meet when someone calls on the name of the Lord. The person who prays stands with one foot in the place of trouble, sickness, and sin, but the other foot in the place of healing, forgiveness, and hope. Heaven and earth overlap, and we can only do that because of our relationship with God through Jesus. I believe that our prayer life is probably the best measure of our spiritual health. I think for Christians, prayer can be like spiritual breathing. We exhale when we speak to God. But we should inhale too. To listen to God. Jesus said that his sheep would not follow a stranger. Speaking of himself as the good shepherd, he said in John chapter 10, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Do you know the voice of God? You know, we don't just believe in a historical figure or some doctrine We believe in Jesus himself. Hearing God's voice is very personal. Our voice is perhaps one of the most individual features of human personality. Before we had banking apps, I used to phone my bank to find out what sort of state our account was in, and to gain access I would have to say, my voice is my password. Have you done that in the past? Yeah. Well, I believe our heart is like that. Our heart should be accessed by one voice. The voice of the Lord himself. Do you really believe you can hear God? No, I don't think everybody believes that. My wife once had a word for a church. It it wasn't this church I hasten to add, But she felt God say... If my people don't care, sorry, if my people are too busy to care, they are too busy. And a lady came up to her afterwards and said, I don't think God speaks to us like that. Now, I don't know whether this lady didn't believe that anyone can hear from God or whether she'd put a limit on what God might say to us. But have you thought that through yourself? Can I really hear God and if so how? Jesus said that our continuing relationship with him would be through the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 we read all this I have spoken while still with you but the advocate the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name Will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And in John 16, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own, He will speak only what He hears and He will tell you what is yet to come. I listen to God mainly when I read and study and meditate on scripture. Not exclusively, but that's my main way of hearing God. I find the combination of God's spirit and God's word very powerful. I think it was Derek Prince once said, if we want to be rightly related to Jesus, we must have a right relationship with the Bible occasionally the spirit will guide me in perhaps a little more dramatic way but usually he works with a gentle nudge or a whisper for me i talk to him regularly during the day sometimes i'll just sit or lie down and imagine jesus sitting next to me and enjoy his presence and you know the longer i go on the more i think that that's what prayer is most important for it's our union and our relationship with God you see ultimately I believe our relationship with God is reflected in our relationship with each other do you think that's true we often refer to the book of Acts when we think of church life what a wonderful church life is we see a rhythm of life in the early church where Christians gathered in homes together. They ate together, they instructed one another, they studied, they prayed together, and they shared spiritual gifts. Their lives overflowed with a warm, spontaneous Christian witness. And they impressed a cynical and unbelieving world with what they saw. Two things they had. One was kerygma, Greek word kerygma, meaning the proclamation, proclamation of the gospel message, and the other was koinonia, their warm fellowship. Together, that became powerful and effective. People could easily shrug off the proclamation as just another message, many, one of many, but they found it much more difficult to reject the evidence of koinonia. Koinonia is a unity, a brotherhood brought about by the Holy Spirit. It cements people to Jesus, and it cements God's people to each other. It was the concern that these early Christians had for each other. The way they shared their lives as the huge family of God that led other people to envy and desire this experience. It prompted that much-quoted remark of a, a pagan writer, how these Christians love each other. But you know, as the number of churches increased, particularly across Asia Minor, some individuals and groups began to divine themselves in terms of status rather than behavior. Jewish Christians, richer Christians, more well-educated Christians, Roman citizens, each group looking down on the other. Like some present-day churches, thank God not this one, they concentrated their witness on their proclamation but excluding true new testament koinonia does two things simultaneously it removes the major safeguard to the health of the church from within and it greatly weakens its effective witness before the world outside the church sound preaching and good Good music might bring people into church, but it's relationships that nurture that keep people coming back. We all need friends. Proverbs 18:24 says, "A man who has friends must himself be friendly." And whilst that's true, we need to recognize that people coming into church often carry with them wounds from the past. Present struggles, perhaps anxieties for the future. What people really want to know is will you love me just as I am despite my problems? There are over 50 one another mm-hmm. verses, commands in the Bible. They call, call us to a special relationship with each other. It must be important because God says it so often. Take, for instance, this strong word in Galatians 6, verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The fundamental law of Christ, his new commandment, is that we love each other. Love one another. And Paul says that that law will be fulfilled by bearing one another's burdens. How can we bear each other's burdens if we don't know what those burdens are? Some way of sharing is necessary, isn't it? But how much of my burdens should I I share with people? How much of my dreams and worries should I share with people? It's easy to hide hide them away, you know. Koinonia calls for honesty and openness between fellow Christians, a mutual recognition that it's neither abnormal nor unspiritual to have problems in our everyday lives. Now we may be reluctant to tell each other what those problems are, because we might fear rejection if we're too honest. But you know those facades that say, oh, everything's all right, when everything is anything but all right. Those facades need to fall. Of course, we need some wisdom on what to share and who to share it with. Certain things, very personal, intimate things, should only be shared privately among two or three very trustworthy individuals who probably have mature insights. But the important thing is that no Christian should have to bear a heavy burden alone. I quoted uh, James earlier, James five sixteen. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You often hear that quoted, but you don't often hear the first part of that verse, which says, "Therefore, confess your sins." to one another, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's not easy to confess faults, to admit weaknesses, to acknowledge failures. It goes against the grain to give an image of oneself that's anything other than perfect. Tragically, that conspiracy of lies is often regarded as the Christian thing to do a necessary part of our witness to the outside world. But the lie often means that Christian families and our collective church family may not gain the healing and restoration that comes from honestly confessing our pains and problems. I found it interesting that one of our spiritual awakenings, Um, have occurred throughout Christian history. They've always been accompanied by a restoration of koinonia fellowship, including the confession of faults and the sharing of each other's burdens. Ephesians 4.15 says we build and edify each other in the body of Christ by speaking the truth in love. But in the Greek, the word speaking isn't there. More literally, it says, truthing in love. It's not talking about speaking truth. It's about demonstrating truth in love in every aspect of our existence. And I think this is part of the ministry of Washing each other's feet. Remember in John 13, Jesus says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Do you know, we can never do that foot washing unless we take the place of a servant, just as Jesus did. And it helps when you bring the right temperature of water with you. You know, if if you're a bit upset or even angry within yourself, and you offer to wash somebody's feet, that can be quite damaging. Or maybe you bring icy cold water. You know, I've I've heard I've heard people um, trying to help by quoting all sorts of cliched scriptural verses, you know, platitudes that sounded so judgmental. That can't be helpful. There's a difference between theology and the man who was taught by the spirit. Theology can be clear and right, but it can be all in the head. Something else is needed, compassion. It's compassion that provides that pleasingly warm water that makes foot washing acceptable and pleasurable. It's the compassion of Jesus. His sympathy, his identification with hurting people, that would make them open their hearts to him. You see, unless people can see that we have been changed, Each of us, that what we preach has made a difference to us. That we speak out of experience of having been altered by the truth that we believe. We'll never do anything to help somebody else who is in a hurting place. But what's going to help me to do this? That sounds, well, that's easy to say, but it's not easy to do. Periodically, I used to try and get my spiritual life together, you know. I'm going to pray more often. I'm going to read more chapters of the Bible each day. I'm going to try some other spiritual discipline. In the end, they were all just like New Year resolutions. The question that I felt when I was preparing this, the question that was hovering over me, and I trust it will hover over you, at at this time of year is, on what basis am I going to live in this new year will it be on the old basis of it all depends on me do it yourself goodness before God trying my best to please God meaning it with all of my heart but never realising that all of my own righteous efforts are but filthy rags before God oh Am I going to accept the gift of God that's waiting for me, fresh from his hand every day? The gift of forgiveness, of righteousness already mine through Jesus, of a relationship in which he is my dear, loving father. I am his cherished, beloved son. None of us can live the life that God wants for us on our own strength. Do you know that? For koinonia to flourish in our fellowship, in any fellowship, we need to follow Paul's advice to young Timothy. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I think we need to learn to say every day, I can't do this. I can't live up to this demand. You've asked me to do too much. But I know that he can, and therefore I can. Base your actions on the expectation that God is in you, that he will enable you to do what you otherwise could not do. I think this is authentic faith infused christianity that we need to persevere in i'm looking for adam i'll I'll accept you david yeah <laughs> uh, we're all we're all in different places on our walk with god but I believe we can help each other because love communicates. So whatever, wherever you are, if like me there is some part of your life that you want to see change, we need to start by talking to God, but I think we also need to talk to each other more.